That one song may be the heart cry of the church in the 21st century of how desperately, desperately we need the Lord and his help. Last Sunday, we talked about the Christian and government as we looked at the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. And as we did, we talked about how the Christian, Christian, you and I, are going to obey the law. That's our God-given responsibility. Uh, We are going to be the best citizens in the country. That's what Paul uh, told us that we should be. And the reason is, is because we're going to keep the law of God. And the law of God says that we shouldn't covet, we shouldn't steal. None of that stuff that we're going to do, we're not going to do that because we're Christians. And we're going to obey authority. We're going to yield to authority, and the very first authority that we're going to yield to is our parents. As young children, we're going to obey our parents because, really, that's one of the commandments. And so Paul said, we're going to keep the commandments, but we're going to keep our priorities in order. We're going to honor the king, but we're going to fear God. And so in matters of conscience... We obey no one other than God. We do not violate God's law. In matters of conscience, we have no king but Jesus. That is the heart cry of every true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We yield only to him. We bow only to him. But is that going to put us in conflict at times with our government? It might. Is it going to put us in conflict at times with our culture. It might. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be uh, looking at our times. And so Paul moves to the next passage of Scripture, the next emphasis in the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14, Paul said, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you To wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I'm going to outline this passage of Scripture to you under four general headings this morning so that we can see what it is that the Lord is saying to us. First, as a Christian... I should maintain a keen perception concerning the season in which I live. Paul said, uh, knowing uh, a knowledge that comes through observation, something you perceive through the, through the use of your God-given senses. And so what is this should I know? I should know the time. Now we need to answer a question. What, what time is Paul talking about? Is he talking about time on the clock and I don't know why in uh, the translation of the scriptures that they don't uh, always uh, clearly identify which word Paul is using but in this case Paul is not using the word that refers to time on the clock if he did 
he would have used the word chronos, which means chronology. It's the word from which we talk about time. Instead, Paul uses a different word. He uses the Greek word kairos, which means season. He's talking about the season. Know the season. So he's asking you to take a look at history, to consider the times in which you live. History always teaches us the past, teaches us, but also we need to keep our eye on history in the present. We are living in history. It's happening around us as we speak, and we need to know how to read history. We need, as Christians, to be able to read history like a clock. And so we're looking at the season in which we live, knowing the season. We've talked much about that. We started talking about it, I think, during COVID is the first time I began to ask you the question. I said, does it seem to you as if the season has changed? Something is different about our times. There's been a season change. And so Paul said you need to live alert to the season, knowing the time in terms of seasons. But second, uh, as a Christian, I should be alert to the stage of the season in which I'm living. That's number two. He says you need to know the time that it is already the hour. Now, the word hour there is expressed, and I know in your Bible it may say high time, and the reason it does that is because literally it says it is the already hour. It's not, that's exactly the way it reads, just literally, it is the already hour. Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 talked about at an hour to come, he said, at an hour you do not expect, and literally it reads, at the do not, at the do not expect hour. There's a do not expect hour, and there's an hour already. Paul is talking about the hour already. Uh, and this is, if you want to see it a little further, Jesus said on several different occasions, he would say, my hour has not yet come. But it always refers to a definite time a definite moment in a season of history, a definite moment. So Paul said we've come to a definite moment, and we're standing in a definite moment when we can say that our salvation is nearer than when, when we believe. So do you, do you have such an hour in your day, an hour that you're alert to, an hour when it's time to, to wake up? And this is what Paul says about this hour. The hour has come for us to wake up. Maybe you set an alarm. Now, I can, in my mind, say I need to get up about 4 o'clock, and I'll get up about 4 o'clock. But if I'm going to say I'm going to get up about 6 o'clock or 6.15 or 6.30, I have to set that alarm because I think I'm a little more asleep at that time if I sleep past the... So you may be having a time that you have to set an alarm for. You know, if you don't set an alarm for that time, maybe it's the earlier hour. If you don't set an alarm for you're not going to get up. Now, sometimes when you're really excited, you set that alarm because you're anxious and you're always on alert for something that's going to happen. Well, Paul's talking about the fact that we need to be alert. So as a Christian, here's number three, I need to be so alert to the hour that I am always ready for my Lord's return. That's what he's talking about because Paul realizes that sin... Our circumstances can lull us into a deep spiritual sleep so that we lose our sense of what's happening in our world 
and what time it is spiritually in the history of our world or in our own lives. Jesus told a parable about ten virgins who were getting ready for a wedding. They were waiting for the bridegroom. And he said five of this is in Matthew 25. And he said five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Their task was to have oil in their lamps so that when the bridegroom came, they could go out to meet him. And the five foolish versions, since the bridegroom didn't come when they thought he was going to come, uh, they were sort of lulled into a sleep, and they went to sleep, and they did not prepare. They didn't have any oil in their lamps. And then the cry came, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And they were not ready. And so what Paul is saying is that we need to live alert to the hour. We need to be ready. We don't want to oversleep and miss our opportunity. Number, number three, as a Christian, I should live alert to the alarm that warns of the urgency of the hour. And that may be number four, and there may be five of these. So uh, don't, don't follow my numbers, just follow the outline. As a Christian, I should live alert to the alarm that warns of the urgency of the hour. If you look at the season in which you live, if you look at it, if I look at the season in which I live, if you read history like I'm reading history, you might hear some alarms going off. The alarms are ringing. They're going off everywhere and on every hand. As a matter of fact, the New Living Translation translates this verse it reads like this, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. So what, it, what is it then about the hour that makes it so urgent that I wake up from some spiritual sleep into spiritual reality and ready myself for the day that's at hand? Paul says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Now the question that might come to mind relates to salvation itself. Since Paul said that salvation is nearer to us, does that mean that salvation is future? Does that mean that Paul himself is not saved yet and he's looking at salvation as something that's future, something that he's looking forward to that he hasn't grasped yet, that he doesn't have yet? So that does that mean that none of us are really and truly saved yet? Well, no. Uh, and we can answer that question and solve that problem just by simply looking back a couple of chapters in Romans, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, where Paul said, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. He also said, in Romans chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So while Paul viewed salvation as an accomplished fact for the person who believes in Jesus, he also realized that the full measure of salvation for the believer is yet future. I have been saved. Paul could also talk about us being saved, and he could talk about when we shall be saved. Those are the tenses 
of salvation. But what Paul is looking for here is he's looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So salvation is coming. It's coming for you. It's coming for me. Even here as Paul talks about salvation coming as uh, 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 it going to be in a, is an accomplished fact, the fullness of which is yet to be revealed. He said also not only is salvation is coming, we need to understand that judgment is coming for those who never trusted in Jesus, for those who are not followers of the Lord Jesus. So the night that he's talking about is the night of spiritual darkness in which we live. He said the night is almost gone, this night that we're living in. We're living in this present darkness. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes it, it seems that it gets darker just before it gets daylight. And, uh, you know, we've, you've heard that expression, it's darker before the dawn. So I wasn't quite sure if that was a scientific fact, so I did a little research this week and found out that's not true at all. It's, when it's dark, it's just dark. And, but it does seem to us sometimes, if you've ever been outside at that time of the day, it probably has something to do with our, with our own sense of being tired and anxious for the daylight, but it, there's that sense that the, the night, that part of the night is just so dark and so long. But spiritually, one of the things that we can say is that toward the end, the Bible tells us there's going to be a growing a deepening of that darkness. And if you're just looking at your world today, I would just ask you, can you not see that? Do your, spiritual, do your own spiritual senses not tell you that this present darkness is growing ever darker? And so how can we then relate what Paul is saying here in this 13th chapter of Romans to, to our own season and to our own hour? If Paul could say 2,000 years ago that our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, how much truer is that today? How much closer are we to the end of the season of which Paul spoke and the end of the hour? Now, you might say, well, Paul was wrong because what he saw and he thought he saw coming didn't happen. But remember in Scripture, when someone looks at time like Paul is looking at time, Paul is looking at prophetic time, from which the events that he, see, that he sees, although they seem near, they are distant. And he's talking about the hours in prophetic time. So let's think about this. Think about the day. He said, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Paul is talking about a prophetic day that's spoken of in both the Old and the New Testament. It is the day of the Lord. Let's think about all the events that are squeezed in to that prophetic day called the day of the Lord. If you looked at it like hours or events, I don't know that there will be literal hours in a day, but let's just look at it like they're events that happen in that prophetic day. In that prophetic day, what's going to happen? The deliverance of God's people, the defeat of God's enemies. Those are two events that are definitely going to happen. Number one, God's people are going to be delivered. God's enemies are going to be defeated, including the devil himself, who will be cast into the lake of fire. Judgment will happen 
on that prophetic day. I don't know all the, the makeup of all the things of when those are going to happen and the order of those things. That doesn't matter. It's just a fact in the Bible that those things are going to happen and that day is coming. Paul said that day is nearer, nearer than when we first believed. He said this darkness, this present darkness is about to pass away. And so you ought to hear the alarms going off. And you ought to be casting aside the works of darkness that are in your life. You ought to be putting off the darkness that somehow found its way, making an attachment to you. And instead you ought to put on the armor of light. What is the armor of light? Not too long ago we looked at the Christian's armor as we looked at the book of Ephesians and as we looked at each piece of it. I reminded you in looking at each piece of the Christian's armor, all those many pieces make up one piece that's listed here in this passage in Romans. He says in verse 14, you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who can protect you from this present darkness. He is the one who will deliver you from the darkness of this world into the glorious light of his presence. Only Jesus. And so you need to make sure. And I need to make, first, I need to make sure that I'm ready. And you need to make sure you're ready. You need to hear the alarms. And Paul said it's time to wake up. It's the already hour. It's the high time for waking up and being alert to what's going on and to prepare yourself. What are you preparing yourself for? If you're a Christian, you're preparing yourself for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian, you need to make sure that you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible says that on that day when the Lord Jesus comes, one will be taken and one will be left. In other words, families will be divided on that day. People who love one another will be divided on that day because some of them are followers of Jesus and some of them are not. And so there's an urgency. You need to be aware of that urgency. Well, one of the things we also know is that at times down through history, the darkness, that growing, deepening darkness that sometimes seeks to attach itself and does attach itself to us has even encroached upon the life of the church. Back in the 1500s, it had so encroached into the life of the church that people were, had become numb to it. They had allowed the darkness to creep into the life of the church so that they didn't see it and they didn't sense it. But thankfully, God was at work in the life of one man, a man named Martin Luther, who began to read this book of Romans and God opened his eyes. Let me read you one of the poems that Martin Luther wrote. That poem, by the way, is one of the hymns in our hymnal. It was written during the 1500s. It's called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he talked about waging war against the darkness. He said, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe, that is the devil, does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? 
our striving would be losing were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, the same. From age to age, the same. Lord Sabaoth, his name. From age to age, the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, this body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And so in the 1500s, at the risk of his own life, reading this, these words from the book of Romans, Martin Luther understood that it was time for him to wake up to the truth of God's word and to stand against the darkness, even the darkness that had encroached into the life of the church and to call the church back to its greatest need. And that is that its one defense and righteousness was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There was no other helper and no other hope, not hope in our own goodness, not hope in our own power, but hope in Christ alone, through faith alone. That today is the hope of the church. Would you pray with me?